is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, a podcaster, and a sous chef. Today, I have a, a co-host who's actually been on the show before. He's uh, one of my favorite dental podcasters, a really sweet guy, and uh, someone I've been meaning to talk to about some stuff. It is Dr. Russell Kirk. Russell, how are you? Hey, Alan. I'm doing How great. are things in my adopted me. state of Tennessee? We are doing well. We, we're catching a little bit, and, and not, not to complain. We're not complaining here, but we're catching oh, a little bit of this hurricane tropical storm that's running through our areas we're getting a little yeah. bit of rain but god oh, and god bless and the people down Louisiana, in houston and yeah, texas for what I, they've I been through like, like what a huge what a huge thing and it's have you ever noticed that like i struggle a lot with the news like like i have this love hate relationship with the news like like i i i don't really watch television news that much but i do listen to a lot of podcasts that are kind of topical news podcasts, some, some political, some just news, but, but, um, like, doesn't it drive you nuts that like, there are people that get to drive what's important for people to talk about on a day-to-day basis. So clearly this hurricane is like a huge, huge thing. And they're, and they, they're talking about it like crazy. I think they're doing a fine job with it, but like, there's always some kind of a spin on it. You can never just get straight up information. Like, I feel like the straightest information I get is from people I know on Facebook that are like surviving the storm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Are you a news guy or not really? No. It, well, it, it's interesting. I think based on what we're going to discuss mm-hmm. today, it, it plays a little bit into my my mindset there. But yeah, no, you. I'm not. I am not a news guy. I used to be a news hound. I mean, that I would just obsess over it. And, and yeah. I had angst over it a lot because I'd read all these stories. And, of course, most of it's negative and, and a lot of. And, and a lot of what I was reading was negative. So I, I just basically get, I got rid of it's, it. It's, I just got it out it of is my life. funny. I definitely have this, like, I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit, uh, I think I hate myself a little bit for the fact that I can't seem to give up political podcasts completely. I just can't quite do it. it but politics is literally, okay. Uh, I know we all know Trump was elected and that is basically the world has been on fire ever since. But interestingly, It has affected me in my day-to-day life. This is going to bother so many people, I'm sure. But very little, right? Like, very little. But yet it's so easy to get your blood pressure up about things that he's done or things that the media is saying about him or whatever. It's, like, super easy to pick a side and be super upset about everything. But the reality is if I step back, my life isn't much different now than it has been ever. No, and and I think people take... I understand what you're saying. I feel the same way, and I think people take it the wrong way. It's not that I don't that I that I'm apathetic. That's not that's not the case. But I really, as you'll as as you'll mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. understand where I'm coming from here in a second. None. I don't have yeah. any control over it. I mean, it, it's done. No matter who you side with politically, it's done. I support them because they yep. are the leader of our yep. country. I don't care who it is. You know, they, that's the beauty of what we have as a government. And I know everybody has their, their viewpoints and, and I'm, I'm fine, but 
You find most military yep. people, they're like, yep. that's the commander in chief. I don't care who it is. Boom. And it's, actually, the beauty of our I government the system him is it's pretty hard to break it. <laughs> like, you can kind of stretch it out and do some weird, but but it, it hasn't broken for a lot well, of years. So it is pretty hard to break. We've kind of come to that. I I look at our founding fathers, and I I, I am always in amazement of the force, the forethought that these guys had or the foresight that they had about what potentially yeah. could go wrong in a government. And, you know, it was either foresight they, they or they were super lucky on one or the other. I think probably it was foresight. <laughs> well, I'll take it either way. Hey, you know what? I, I say this, I say this, I say this in the office yeah, all day. Yeah. Rather be lucky yeah. than good. I mean, I'm, I'm okay good with as that. often as I'm I can okay be, but luck is, I'm fine with that. Really. I'm okay with that. So. Yeah. And I've been, I've been, you know, you hear people talk and I've been to some places with yeah. different governments and different structures for their government. And there's, Oh yeah. We're, we're oh, yeah. still in the I best place. I... At the end of the day, we're still under the best type of government. We're still in the best nation. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to be an American and I don't hesitate to say that. I don't want to go beat somebody yeah. up yeah. because they're not an American. No, but, but I mean, I think I'm everyone has to, be... to realize too, that we are literally, being an American citizen, just being born in the United States, even under pretty awful circumstances, is still like a, having a winning lottery ticket to some extent. And it's easy for me as a, uh, you know, as a middle-aged uh, white guy to say that. But still, honestly, United States citizenship is kind of like a lottery ticket when you think about it. So we got a lot of things that there are people, there are people all over the world that would, that would kill to have, you know, half the freedoms, half the chance to do stuff that we do. So definitely for sure. But okay. So, so that gratitude plays into that. But one of the reasons you and I are talking today is we both sort of have this, uh, kind of fascination or, or at least we're drawn to the philosophy of stoicism. I'm just going to go right in there because, because I'm, I'm doing some reading on it, not a ton of reading, but what's really funny is I stumbled across this, like, okay, so you've you've seen Don Kulingowski has a group on mindfulness and, and meditation, and 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 it's it's a really good group. If you haven't seen it and you're interested in if you're interested in kind of learning about happiness and and being happy on the inside and 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 mindfulness of your life, you should go on Facebook. Just look it up. It's mindfulness for dental professionals, basically. And Don runs it, and there's always a lot of good stuff there, but. And so there's a lot of people talking about gratitude. There's a lot of people talking about um, meditation. But I think a little bit of stoicism has been thrown around in there. And I just started to kind of dig into a little bit. And I, apparently, Russell's been reading more of it than I have. He's, you've been into this for what, – what's your, what's your background? How did you come to stoicism? Well, it's interesting that you bring up Don's group because that's basically I, – I took a basic mm-hmm. philosophy class in college. An undergrad, and I was. I remember one. I remember one thing out of that philosophy class, which is kind of interesting. That I still remember this one thing. One of the guys that I was in a fraternity with, we were in this class together. He sat right in front of me, and and the professor was going around the room, and he was talking about what what makes human beings, what makes us different from all the other animals. And so he was going, you know, person by person asking their opinion. And, and he comes to the guy that sits in front of me who, who was quite he was quite a comedian. And he goes, <laughs> we use cutlery. That was his answer to the question. And the guy goes, well, I guess that's valid. Not what I was looking for. But I remember that. And beyond that, I have, I have no yeah, recollection no, of philosophy it, class it. whatsoever. But but roll back into Don's group. 
And I, I'm a part of that group as well. It's a great group. I, I love reading the comments and, and there's a mm -hmm. lot of positive support that goes on in that group. And to understand that we're not alone and, and a lot of us are struggling with the same type of, of deal of, of deals that in our practice and in our lives in general. But Matthew Standridge, I, I owe him a lot. I've told him this via Facebook messaging and all. And I've never met him face to face, but he put a he put something on Facebook in that group, I believe, mm -hmm. that was about stoicism. And I saw it. I read a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to jump into that. So it's probably been. Mm -hmm. Less than three months mm -hmm. that I've really jumped into this, and I've just kind of went, mm -hmm. you know. I'll bet you that I it. saw the same thing because of what you know what it is. It's like I see stuff like that, and I'm interested in like um, stoicism. Sort of puts a name on something that basically it's a lot of um, a lot of attributes of people that I admire. Like when you wrap it all up, it turns out that that's that like the philosophy of stoicism pretty much is that. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like. Like I didn't realize what it was because I didn't even take it. I I took even less philosophy than you did in college. I took none basically. So I, I mean, I remember in world history in tenth grade, I think he took like five minutes to talk about something like. But but the reality is is that it's a it's a formal philosophy from you know back in the Greek philosophers. Yes, but but the reality is the ideas are very applicable that I can tell. So. I don't know. I just, I've just gotten, okay, here's the, the sum total of what I really know though, is uh, there's a book on Amazon. I'm going to just plug it right here. It's called Stoicism, a stoic approach to a, a stoic approach to modern life by a guy named Tom Miles. If you have Kindle unlimited, it is $0, but if you want to buy it on Kindle, it is two ninety nine. I think you can get the audible, uh, the audio book on audible, which is what I did for a dollar 99. Um, you can buy a paperback version of it too, but it's super short. Like the, the audible version is like 53 minutes or something. It's, it's super short, which is super fitting for stoicism in general. But I think it lays it out as well as anything. But so let's just kick around. What the heck is stoicism to you, Russell? Why, why are you drawn to it? What, what does it mean to you and why are you drawn to it? Well, I, I think that when I, what I've read and what I've been looking at I, I was drawn to it by the fact that the first thing I read was talking about obstacles in your life. So Ryan Holiday's book, yep, the obstacle is the way. That's the first book I read, and he he, I, I read this and I it it kind of resonated with me. I'm like, wow, this I've I've been this way. I think this is kind of who I am, and I was drawn to it from that point. And then I went back and I read Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. And that's a little clunky for me. I have a little trouble. I'm have, not really a smart man, but I know what love is. I, I get it. I can't read. I can't read the like. It, it's it's <laughs> yeah. flowery. I don't need flowery. I almost need like. I almost need like VCR manual. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, no doubt. I need it like one, two, three, in in order, and let me get what I can out of it. But th those are kind of the two that I jumped on first. I read "Ego Is the Enemy" by Ryan Holiday, and I think you know, as far as books goes. Those two, for modern times, I think mm -hmm. he does a really nice job, and it's and it's built around the stoicism philosophy. Uh, but to answer your question, you 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 go through life and you're like, is this is this all there is? I mean, I get up, I do the same thing every day. I mean, yeah, you're happy in moments and you're and you're struggling at moments. And, and I think what I was drawn is like the Stoics, as I understand it, they. There were proponents of having a philosophy for your life. 
Mm-hmm. That was practical that you could use, not some type of theoretical or some type of thing where you were, you know, discussing. Yes, yes, yes. Abstract ideas, I guess. And that's why I'm drawn to this, because I think it's a, at least as I understand it at this point in time, it's a, a practical philosophy that you can actually put that's, to I mean, use. that's exactly right. I mean, it isn't it isn't um, it's it's like the least flowery philosophy I, I can think of. It's it's. um. So basically, I think I think like the the tenant that I walk away with is is uh, you need to spend your time working on things that are under your control, like right. I I I I see it as and it's interesting. I read, I just I was listening to a podcast on the way to work this morning, and I think his name is Bill okay. Irvin or Irvine, and he's written a book. It's about stoicism. He's a philosopher. Uh, professor of philosophy, and he was talking about the dichotomy of control. You can control mm-hmm. it, or you can't control it. But he oh, takes this it art much of manliness? And that was uh, uh, I have listened. To, yes, art of manliness. That yeah, that he, he has this. I'm yes, sorry, I just exactly. was googling it, and and it looks like he's had uh, back in June. He had the, an introduction to stoicism. I haven't heard it, but I'll I'll link I'll link it. Yeah, okay, good, cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so I was listening to that, and he he breaks it out. I was reading his book too, so it was it was kind of timely that I was listening to this podcast. And he talks about well, there are things that you can control, such as yourself, and there are things that you can't control, like the sun, mm-hmm. whether it comes up or not tomorrow. And then there's sort of what he breaks out as the trichotomy. He takes Epictetus's idea and says, well, I think there's another, there's a middle ground. There are things that are somewhat under our control. And that's the way I understand the control issue. And the, the the somewhat under control would be like how other people treat you. You may have some control over that because you you can treat them nice and hope that they treat you nice back, but you can't actually control them. So you have a little influence, mm-hmm. but not necessarily control. And the control idea, that's the way I kind of understand it. It's really funny it. because um, my background as a recovering person, like like I, I've spent plenty of times in plenty of time in 12 step uh, meetings and, and, that sort of thing, you know, and I have to tell you that, like, I didn't know it, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of how people who do well in recovery has to do with stoicism and, and, and specifically understanding what you can control and what you can't control. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like part of it is like, you know, um, <laughs> this person made me do X and the reality is, I mean, like stoicism would say this person did what they did you reacted to what they did. So this person didn't make you do anything. You reacted and you actually have control and choice over your reaction. And I think, I think one of the hardest things for me to understand and maybe anyone to understand is that a lot of times you act as if there is, I act as if there is no react, there is no choice over the reaction. He made me mad. And, and I think stoicism would say you became mad your reaction to something outside your control was to become mad. You don't have to do that, which is like, well, that's serious judo. That's like serious emotions is, judo, right? But on the other it, hand, which yes, is easier said than yes. done. I mean, obviously. But even understanding that that's the goal is you're partway there, right? Like realizing that, wow, I actually have a chance to not react negatively to something where I feel very negative about it. I can feel the feeling and let it go. And I just think to myself, man, I want to be that. I want to, I, I will say that, that, that I think it's easy to look at that philosophy and 
think to yourself that's emotionless. Like you're just you're just a flat board. You're you're Spock. You know, you're just like you you react with no emotion. Well, I I I what I've read and the way I understand it, I see it like this. I don't think the Stoic philosophers wanted you to suppress your emotions. I, I think the way I have read it or the, re, the way I'm understanding it, it as I study this and as I move forward is that they want you to suppress mm-hmm. the negative emotions and pursue the positive emotions. Negative emotion being what you mentioned, like anger or envy, and then promote happiness, joy, delight. Those are the things that they they, they weren't they didn't want us to be a, a robot. They didn't mm-hmm. want us to be emotionless from what I understand. And then they also go into what I have read about reflexes. There yes, are going to be yes, things yes, that I'm interested in. I want to hear about that. And, and, and so the reflexive component, it, it's understanding that you are going to be reflexive as a human being in certain situations, but you, you recognize that. And you you have the mindfulness of the self-awareness to recognize that you're reflexive and it may be a, a, a fleeting thought or a fleeting moment. But then mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. can reel that back quickly, whereas before you just with me, it would be like an anger thing. I just run off and, 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 you know, down the road several minutes. Now you can. And I I've listened mm-hmm. to Jocko Wilnick, the, the, the guy that's mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. former SEAL extreme ownership, and he talks about detachment. Detachment from high mm-hmm. stress situations where you almost step outside of the situation and you look at it and you're detached from it. What well, you can be a reasoning individual to see how to move forward with that particular situation. And I see a little yeah. bit of that philosophy in his conversations because that's really what you're doing. You're detaching from yourself in the situation, seeing how you're reacting and then adjusting fire to go the right way to try to sequel yeah. negative emotions, I, it, it kind of does it's like, I, I will tell you that like I've said and heard in in um, you know conversations with other recovering people with the difference between you know me when I was still in trouble versus you know having some recovery is now I've got I've got that moment between when something happens and when I react and that makes all the difference because it used to be I didn't need any I didn't need any reason to to use. I didn't need any reason to do that, but now I've got a chance to say, I don't have to do that anymore. And that's, I, that's very, that's very much stoicism to me now that I, I never knew that that was, I never knew it was called that. Right. But that's kind of what it was. So it's just interesting how, um, it's like this internal locus of control. You are, you are in charge of you. The only thing that's real is, is internal. In other words, everything is, everything is your reaction to the world. Like the world is going to happen whether you're there or not. And it's everything that you're reacting to, which is, which is kind of deep and mean, but, but you know, the, the practical aspect of it is that for instance, you know, if you're watching the news and, or if you want to get bent out of shape because you like to listen to a political stuff or whatever, um, probably a stoke would tell you not to even, you know, you're just, you have no control over what's going on there, so there's not a lot of reason to pay close attention to it. They'd probably say yeah, there's exactly. probably it's a, waste it's a waste of time. time. But then even at that, you don't have to react strongly to it. Just, you know, someone did something or someone is saying something, and you don't, you know, it, it's not practical. It was interesting, this this book that I was reading was talking about how how Stoics don't do a lot in goal setting uh, because because a lot of goal setting has external things that you don't have any control over. So, if you get hung up on on a goal, a particular goal that you have, 
that that actually is you know uh it's a bit of a waste of time if there's you, the idea is to 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 work on stuff that you have control over in other words if you could evaluate the input that comes in the things that happen to you during during your life and evaluate what things you have control over and what things you don't and and spend your time on the stuff you have control over and so that's like goal setting if depending on what kind of goal it is i suppose uh, some of that stuff is well out of your control i suppose like I don't know. It's interesting because it sort of goes against a lot of what aspirational thought is. You know, it, it deals more on on reason and logic and probability than than you know, um, you know, having big dreams and that sort of thing. And it's that goes against a lot of a lot of people that have aspirations for stuff. You know, what do you think about that? The goal is to get a crisp, clean impression or scan. How you get there can depend on a lot of things. Where is your margin? What does the tissue look like? What is the patient's biotype? Do they have delicate tissue or sturdy tissue? Each situation is different, so it's good to have options. Premier Dental Products offers retraction options for any situation. Sometimes you'll need retraction cord. My pick is Knit Pack Plus with aluminum chloride impregnated in the cord. It's the easiest cord I've ever placed, and the retraction is second to none. Whenever possible, I'm placing my margin at or above the gum line. For these situations, I'm using Traxident. Traxident is a paste that you place in the gingival sulcus. It stops bleeding in curricular fluid, gives great retraction, especially when you use it with the Premier Retraction Cap, and rinses away really easily with the air-water spray. If you've used other paste retraction methods, don't hold them against Traxident you'll find it's easier to place and remove than anything else you've tried, and it does what you wish the other guys would do. And now, Traxident comes in a slick unit dose that fits any composite compule gun, which makes delivery even easier. If you like your impressions crisp and clean, you should try Traxident. Along with retraction cord, or by itself, it makes taking an impression or scan way easier. Premier Dental Products, inspired solutions for daily dentistry. Well, well, let me let me take a different slant on that in my novice understanding of and so the way I understand the history of of stoicism is the Greeks they they they're where this started. Well, the Romans picked it up and then the Romans tweaked it to their liking. So they they sort of stripped out the physics component or the natural science component and the logic component, and they just took the ethical component. And that that's where you read about, you know, Marcus Aurelius and his meditations book. Mm-hmm. And and so they kind of took stoicism and made it what they wanted it to fit their needs. Which I don't think there's any I think there's any problem with sure. that. Yeah. Uh, and so I look at it as you can take the pieces of it that work for you. And maybe this is not a purist view of stoicism sure. and it may be wrong to think hey, this whatever way, works why right? not why not take the pieces that actually function for you that make things better for you mm-hmm. and use them mm-hmm. and i see it they talk about there's there's two major themes as i understand it every animal that was created or is in existence or has been in existence has special talents mm-hmm. ours as human beings as i understand it from the stoics was reasoning that is our special gift mm-hmm. to be able to reason. The second component was that we were social animals. So we reason in a social environment. Mm-hmm. So if you take your aspirations or your goals 
and you use the, the, the reasoning component to be better internally, the things that you can control, but you also use that reasoning to provide a better society or contribute to the society that you're a part of or the social circles, that's okay. So if you want to go out and, you know, cure cancer, that's okay because mm-hmm. it's helping the social better. Mm-hmm. So I see it as a, as a, I, I don't think there was any problem with them. You know, they talk about the cynics and they were really, they were crazy. They didn't want to have anything. They didn't want to have a cup to drink out. They wanted to drink out of their hands. They didn't want to wear clothes. Mm-hmm. It was there. So they were like way, way off on their own mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And then the Stoics, as I read it, they, I mean, I think, um, wasn't Seneca as I read, he was, he was like the right-hand man of one of the emperors, uh, Nero, I think. Mm-hmm. So he was mm-hmm. wealthy. Mm-hmm. Hey, some of these guys, they had wealth and affluence and influence and people go, well, how can you be a stoic and do that? And they're like, well, I am using this to improve society or the social part of being a human being. Yeah. So I, I can see how you could build that argument. I feel like stoicism, one of the best ways to just think of it in day-to-day use is like reality on reality's terms and reacting to stuff in that way. So like, you know, seeing things for what they are. And I don't, I don't think it necessarily says like you should, you should like ignore your emotions. Emotions are going to happen. Emotions are one of these things where that's, that's, that's ingrained. You don't have a lot of choice with regard to whether or not you're going <laughs> to, you're going to have, but you don't have to react to, you, you get to choose how you react to them is kind of their point. So, and I, I find that very appealing. Uh, it is, it is not, um, it's not, how can I say this? It's not like, it's not easy to do that. You just can't push a button and have it and you'll never react to a negative emotion again. But the idea that, the idea that you're, you have that control is kind of appealing to me. I'm, I try, I'm not, here's what I'm going to try and do. How would you relate that to day-to-day dental practice? Like as a dentist, I, I I don't find it hard to to think about it at all, but I'm just curious. Would like how would this kind of a philosophy relate to to your day to day work as an oral surgeon? Okay, so example, and I actually I, I I consider this the way I handled it this week is maybe a stoic approach. I had a patient come in. She was set up for a consultation, but she expected that I was going to take this tooth out. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to guarantee that I would take the tooth out. And we're like, no, ma'am. We had told her on the phone. It's a consult only. She was an elderly woman. And when we asked her, you know, some basic questions, she was on a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. When she got here, she goes, I want to, I want to get the tooth out. I'm, I'm in pain. Well, sure. that will be fine. Will you fill out the paperwork? We'll do the consultation. She goes, no, I don't want a consultation. I want to be guaranteed that I can have the tooth out. Well, You've already admitted that you're on blood thinners. We need the paperwork. We need, you know, the intake paperwork to kind of evaluate your health situation. So she was being quite difficult, if you will. And they came back to tell me, I can tell you two or three years ago, I would have been a totally different person. But I looked at the situation. I'm like, well, I can't control the way she's behaving out there. Yeah. It's beyond my control the way she wants to act. All I can say is what am I going to do now? Yep. And I said, well, this is what we do. We just explained to her, ma'am, this is, it's a safety issue. It's in your best interest for us to have this information and just talk to Dr. Kirk. And if there's any way he will do his best, but he can't guarantee it because if it's a medical problem, we're going to have to get clearance. Well, she didn't like it. She left. 
And then now she's back on my schedule because she talked to the referring office and they explained to her and she agreed with them. But my reaction to that was totally different now than it would have been, you know, two or three years ago. And I, I won't put all that on the stoicism because I've just kind of been introduced to that. But right. I think that's an example of how I could have reacted differently. Sure. No, I get it. So difficult patients, I guess. I guess we could use difficult patients and we all have them. How do we react and do we let them get in our head and get us angry and get us agitated? I think they do. And I think the this basic realization that we can't control that sometimes. We do the best we can. Nobody's out there trying to make people mad. I know, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and honest, honestly, you know what it is. Sometimes it's like the way that you're going to run your practice, you know, that works the best for you is not going to work for some people. And, you know, I tend to, instead of, instead of, you know, that's a classic thing. The patient that shows up and wants something done and you really don't have time in the schedule to do it. And then there's, there's, there's a mindset that says, you just make it work. You make it happen because the patient is number one and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know what? I can't fault someone for feeling that way. But on the other hand, I like, I like my schedule being, you know, when I, if I, if I got time to do it, I'm going to make that happen. But if I don't, I, I don't like putting myself in a super stressful uh, situation because of that. And so, but like the, I tend to immediately buckle when, when someone might be unhappy with me and, and like a stoic, like a stoic would think of that as like, that's, that's their reaction to what they perceive as negative, but that doesn't have anything to do with me, you know? When your mind's saying, well, if I only changed what I would do, I could fix them or I could, I could make them happy. Well, you know, I, I just, it, that detachment, I struggle with that. And I really well, think, I think detachment in general is one of my biggest problems in dentistry. It's well, it, in about, all seriousness. Well, what about, I mean, you said you, if I change the way I'm doing my things, can I make, maybe I can make them happy. Well, you have no control over their happiness. Right. I mean, how many patients do we have that? You can do everything under the sun. That's exactly form. right. That's you exactly can give right. it to them for free. You can give them your phone number to call you anytime. They don't really want to be can, there no matter what. <laughs> yeah. You can answer the phone at 3 a.m. when yep. they call you, and they're still going to be unhappy. So ultimately, we don't have control over that. Yep. So yep. I guess that falls in the stoicism for in, sure. a, in a sense. For sure. But I, but I do understand where you're going with that, and I and I, I can certainly appreciate it. It it's It's like I say, I'm kind of new to this. I'm trying to figure it out. I am too. See if it fits. It's like, it's so appealing to have a brain that could work like that, right? It's like so appealing to me to, to think that I could, I could, re- but, but you know, sometimes I worry because I, um, I think some, some of the, some of the way that I am is, is built into me because I, of my ino- emotional reaction to stuff. Like some of my sense of humor is probably built into that. You know, maybe some of, some of who I am is the fact that I react maybe stronger to things that I don't need to react to so strongly with. And so in some ways I worry that it might, if I really were able to adopt this, don't get me wrong for sure. I'm not going to be able to, I'm only human, but like, I don't want to lose part of what I am because maybe it doesn't line up with that, but it is, it's like, that's, I, I aspire to be that way where it doesn't mess with my inner peace. You know, basically like the perfect stoic is their inner peace is their inner peace. No matter what happens, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, you, you talk about your sense of humor. I think that's a positive emotion. I don't think the right. Stoics, I, I, in my understanding, I don't think they would want you to suppress that. And then you also look at, um, I forget which one of these guys it was. I've read so much about them. But they talk about when you get insulted. 
use humor to counter the insult. Don't mm-hmm. insult back. So mm-hmm. they, they actually promote the idea of, of using humor to, to kind of brush off all the insults that you receive. You either don't acknowledge the insult or you use humor to counter the insult, but don't insult them back. So your humor plays right into it. Yeah. So I don't, I mean. It was interesting too in this, in that, in that, um, in that book that I, I mentioned, they talked about basically, let's say someone is very critical, overly critical of you or very critical of you of something that you've done. There's, you can look at it two ways. Either A, you look at their criticism and realize they're right, and then you can work to change to become better at whatever it is that, you know, take, take their criticism and try and improve or B, realize that they're wrong. You can't change any, you know, that, that they're, if like, if it's an insult or a nasty thing, you can't change where they're coming from. You know, you can't, you don't have to stoop to the level of, of being nasty and angry to do that. I, I just, I just felt like it was like, it's, it's helpful and it's simple, right? It's not like, it's not a complicated thing. This is basically take a deep breath and understand that you're in control of, of your reaction. And that's a huge, it's, it's a huge tool if you can, if you can embrace it, just whether or not I can actually like start really applying that to my life. You know, it's, it's interesting. Well, well I mean, I see it as practice. Yeah. Definitely. These guys that are, the guys that are actually trying to use this in, on a practical uh, in a practical manner on a day-to-day use, it, they're using it and they're building it in- incrementally. They're, they're starting to see opportunities and trying to use it. And the ones that I've you know listened to on podcasts and read their books and all, they seem to be getting some positive traction with it. I, you know, we're, again, they don't talk about perfection. I agree. I, I mean, we're not going to be perfect in anything that we do yep. and understanding that. So I, I have, I have a question for you because yeah. it's interesting. And, and this is, this is the one that played a little bit on my mind in the philosophy was negative visualization. What yeah, do you yeah, think yeah, about yeah. that? I, okay. Yeah. There's two things there. There's ne- that first off negative visualization. First off, I'm awesome at that because like I'm great. <laughs> I'm I'm great at thinking of the very worst thing that could happen, right? Like I'm I'm fantastic at that. And and the problem is I'm not using that as a way to prepare myself for potential poor outcomes. That's they're they're saying that if you can't imagine, I don't like a neg- I guess what they, what they talk about is visualizing negative out visualizing negative visualization is you know imagining yourself running the race and losing. Instead of saying, "Look, I'm going to win this race," I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm visualizing myself winning it. You're like, "No, no, no!" You're visualizing yourself losing it, or visualizing yourself falling and breaking your leg or something. With the idea that that, um, I think it's just like a grasp at realism, right? Like, like reality is that that could happen. So if you if if it's out of your realm of possibilities that something like that could happen, then it will be more disappointing. When in reality, it can happen that you might lose the race, or you might, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and. The the fear that I have when I look at that, and and maybe it's maybe it's the approach because I've had some history of depression in my family, yes, and, and yes. I've, I've suffered with a little of it myself. I've had some bouts with it, but dwelling on the negative, I, I concern myself with that. It, it's and and I don't think they promote it to be something that you dwell upon, but you just have fleeting thoughts of the worst case scenario. And you use that going, well, you know what? Um, things are bad, but they're not as bad as they could be. Right. And you use that as momentum to think positively about the current situation you're in. Yeah. I feel like kinda- I feel like stoicism and gratitude might be like like two concepts that are like so hand in hand as to be like maybe they need to be discussed together because like like 
it's really hard to it's hard to be super negative when you have you know when when there's gratitude when you're when you're focusing on things you're grateful for you know and stoicism sort of like that that's exactly what you said i'm gonna read this is from this book uh uh, the stoics as far back as chrysippus uh, employed a method completely the opposite approach. Rather than holding images of things we desire in our minds, we should take time to imagine that we've lost something that we already possess. Imagine losing everything and being destitute, that those we love and who love us in return have died and have left us or have died, or that we've lost the use of a limb or one of our senses. Without a doubt, many of us find ourselves thinking about such things in dark and lonesome moments, and those thoughts fill us with anxiety and dread. Though repetition of accessing these thoughts uh, through repetition of accessing these thoughts in a controlled and objective manner, we become inured to the negative emotions that arise from them. So basically they're saying, if you can, if you can do this in a controlled way instead of letting it roll out of control, which I would, I would argue is maybe that might be the definition of, of depression, right? In other words, you're using, it as a, you're using this as, a, as an exercise. You're saying this is a reasonable thing to think about because it could happen. Not that it's inevitable, but you, you can use it to... I think it's exactly right. You turn it around and say, I'm very grateful that it has not happened, or I'm grateful that it's worked out in this way. I think that's very interesting. It, yeah, it I, puts I, a spin on things that that's very different. No, it's, it's you, you, you look at some of the things that are out there today, you, the laws of attraction, the positive mindset, all these things. And then you look at stoicism and they're like, no, you should really be focusing on some of this negative stuff. Yeah. I've because always been, I've always been, stuff, I've always been a real, a real, um, the law of attraction really got under my skin because simply stated, if you believe in that, that you're blaming the victim to some extent. Are you trying to tell me that Hurricane Harvey was brought to Houston because people weren't weren't using the law of attraction hard enough? They weren't uh, thinking good things. It just doesn't work. You know, it's just no one can say that. So but but then again, I, I put myself so you got Hurricane Harvey as an example. I'm setting up here. I'm high and dry in Tennessee mm-hmm. and some of our you know, our citizens, our fellow citizens and our hum- fellow human beings are suffering down there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know to what extent each one of them are. I know that there are some people down there that are having a very difficult time. And the question is, would stoicism work in that situation for me? Well, I, yeah. I don't know the answer to that because that's what this philosophy was built upon. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I look at it and go, oh, I don't know. If I, you know, I don't know that I have that much faith in it, but maybe I just don't understand it or I haven't practiced it enough. My guess is as you practice it, you'll find that it becomes easier and easier. Like, like it's gotta be something that gets easier and, and smoother in your day to day life when you're actually able to practice it. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of for where a practical example, it's kind of a simple terms, you know, compared to what we were talking about with the hurricane and all the suffering going on down there. But when I was when I was on my two weeks military duty, we were down in Louisiana Mm -hmm. and we go in there and we're in this community center. And I walk in and I'm like, is this what we're is this where we're working? Yeah, this is where we're staying. Yeah. And and, and immediately I started thinking, well, I've got we've got electricity. We have running water. We have hot water. I have I have the ability to shower. I'm not living in a in the field. I'm not out in a tent. I'm not like sleeping on the ground with the Marines. And and you start thinking, and that's kind of negative visualization. You say, well, I could be doing all these things, but I'm not. So today is really good. Yeah. No. And that's, and, and that's that's an example that I have in my own mind. I'm like, well, maybe that's what they're talking about. For sure. That's that. I bet that's exact. That's a perfect example of of what. That, that's a perfect example. I like that. I like that. So I, you know. I may, I, and I've I've done that 
I look back and I think, well, I think I've done this before, before I really understood this concept of stoicism or this part of stoicism. But anyway, it, it, it's, it's, it's something to, I'm playing with just seeing if it fits. Yeah. See if it fits for me. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I, I want to talk a little bit about something coming up in January of 2018 that you and I are both going to be a part of. Uh, oh, I know what this is. You know what this is. Yeah, that's right. So cool. we, we've kind of just recently uh, released in the last few weeks, released that the voices of dentistry 2018 is actually happening. It is in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Doubletree Resort. Uh, January 26th and 27th. That's the weekend before the Super Bowl. And uh, Dr. Russell Kirk is going to be speaking there. We're, uh, we're still putting stuff together. I, uh, we're not 100% sure what everyone's going to be speaking, but he's one of the many uh, amazing speakers in our lineup. So we're very excited to have you. You're pretty psyched about that? Oh, oh yes. I, I was tickled when I got the invitation, and we've, we've went back and forth on some potential topics there, mm-hmm. trying to see what people want to you know, hear about mm-hmm. at least from, from my standpoint. And I, I tell you though, that I just get excited because I get to go there and, and I get to talk to you guys, uh, the other podcasters, the, this last one we had in Nashville, of course it was home for me. So it was easy Yeah, oh, yeah. just meeting people and the conversations I had in between the lecture hall in the hallway, basically. Yeah. We're like over the top. I'm like, this is I, I learned so much out in the hallway versus in the, in the lecture rooms, not taking away from the lectures, but definitely was worth all the time that I spent there. Well, it was interesting because so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of magical. Like n- none of us really knew it was going to be like that. But but what what I've come to realize is that the meeting was super cool, partially because um, we self-select for the people that are going to be there. It, it was a bunch of people that like what we all had in common is we listen to podcasts, you know. We either make them or we listen to them, and so automatically you know that the people that are going to show up at this meeting are people that like are are your podcast people. So if you're listening to this show, understand that this is your tribe that's going to be showing up to this this meeting. You know, there you go. I like that. It's it's very no. I mean, I'm, I feel strong that way. And that meeting was magic. I mean, there was definitely magic in that in that meeting. I we didn't know what it was going to be like, but I mean, I remember looking over and seeing you. Uh, you basically started the the life and dentistry guys off in podcasting. I'm convinced that you were the first one that y- you recorded with them and you told the story of the two guys that literally owned a dental practice in dental school and and like they were hooked. I literally was listening to that as I was driving home from Nashville. Like you had it up that fast and those guys have since started their own podcast. There's a little magic there, right? I mean like there's it, it, people realize the power of this medium and the kind of people that are into this stuff. And so that's why I'm so excited about it. No, I I I I can't tell you it's hard for me to, to verbalize the the value it's brought to me mm-hmm. and never understanding that it would happen this way. Just some of the doors that's open for me, uh, meeting people such as yourself and the the other podcasters, but actually the people that that kind of found me, mm-hmm. however that may have occurred, that have asked me questions that hopefully I've been able to help them and they've helped me. I mean, they've they've listened to some of my shows and they've given me information about some of my troubles sure. in my own practice and i've i've fixed some of my problems based on what they've told that's exactly me. So right it's, it's worth it's, mentioning if you haven't heard russell's show russell's show is the business of dentistry and you can look that look that up on itunes or wherever you get your podcast but but and that's that's how we that's how i met him because i found i found exactly. his show exactly it was it's crazy how it works so it's exciting and i will say this voices of dentistry.com go buy your ticket now because it's 
you're going to save 300 bucks if you buy your ticket before September 18th. This is going to go out before then, so you probably if you're just getting this, you probably still have a chance to buy your ticket at a discounted rate. It's normally 897 and 597, 16 hours of CE. Uh, Scottsdale is lovely that time of year. I have to say Nashville was fine that time of year, but I'm going to say that Scottsdale will probably be a little Scott bit. Yeah, Scottsdale. I think they'll be a little bit better. I think I think that's probably true too. So uh, weather wise, I think they'll have us. I think they do too. So it's going to be fantastic. Russell is one of the the many speakers we have in our lineup. And uh, man, Russell, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. This was fun again. Yeah, I, I, have, I appreciate you having me. I would love it if any listeners have have any insight on. Um, on stoicism or this kind of like trying to get yourself thinking like this, email me at Alan, A-L-A-N, at the Alan Mead Experience. Or better than that, go on Facebook and join the Alan Mead Experience Facebook group. We have like a, we have, it's like a secret group, and it's, it's just over 100 people. They're people who listen to this show, so you already realize they're part of your tribe. Uh, I make you do a secret password to get in, though. The secret password is Premier, who is, as always, the sponsor of this and all of the Alamy Experience shows. They're uh, Inspired Solutions for Daily Dentistry, an amazing company, and so I use them as my password, Premier. I don't care how to spell it. Spell it any way you want to, and, uh, and we'll, we'll get you in the group. But, man, if you have any thoughts about that, it'd be interesting to have, like, a conversation in that group or wherever because I think this has a lot of use for dentists. I really do. I feel like because dentists right. are sort of like these emotional punching bags in a lot of cases, or we take it on ourselves, and this might help us a lot. So I really appreciate you being on the show to talk about it. Hey, I, I appreciate you having me in, and I will, I'm going to pitch that book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. That's what got me involved in this. That's what's got me kind of going down this rabbit hole of stoicism. So uh, Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. I love it. That's a good one to, uh, to, to put on the Kindle and read at your leisure and see if it interests you. And then you can go the different oh, yeah. paths to, to all the different <laughs> information out yeah, there. Yeah, I'll put a lot. I'll put some of that stuff up on the, the show cool. notes too. So very good. Thanks a lot, Russell. We'll talk hey, to you thank later. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. All right. Again, questions or comments uh, for this or any episode of the Alan Meat Experience. Alan, A-L-A-N, at the Alan Meat Experience. Go to iTunes. Rate and review. Give me five stars. Let the world know what we're doing. Try and use dental in the in the header if you're going to leave a comment. I want to see that's my little experiment to see if we can bump ourselves up on iTunes. And thanks for listening to the show.